Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey folks, welcome to the Processing Blue podcast. I'm Panthers beat reporter Mike Kay. I'm here with sports columnist Scott Fowler as uh, we kind of, you know, figure out what's going on after a crazy New Year's week um, here in Pantherland. Um, you know, if you are a typical subscriber to our podcast, you know that we typically do a rotation, but Scott and I uh, both had a lot to say about David Tepper's drink toss uh, for the new year. And uh, we both wanted to get on here and kind of chat this up. Uh, Scott, how you doing? I'm good, Mike. How are you? Well, I'm here, as my grandma says. And uh, so is a $300,000 fine for David Tepper, who, if, in case you were living under a rock or actually enjoying your New Year's week, um, was caught on video in a neighboring suite to this amateur filmmaker uh, throwing a glass or cup uh, of some sort of contents into the crowd at Everbank Stadium in Jacksonville around the fourth quarter or late fourth quarter of the Panthers shutout 26 to nothing loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's the first shutout loss in team history since 2002. Um, that is quite a long time ago. I was a, yeah, I was in high school uh, when that happened. So, uh, and now obviously, as you can see the grays in my beard, it's been a while. Um, if you look at the video, you can see the replay of the fourth quarter interception uh, thrown by Bryce Young. So the reaction could have been to that. It could have been to something else. Um, in his statement, David Tepper said that, or alluded to an issue being had, and he said that he, you know, regretted not going to security about it. Um, his statement, which we'll read a little bit later, uh, basically was a non-apology. Uh, regret was in there, but it was very carefully worded. It wasn't released until roughly 48 hours after the video went viral around 5 p.m. on New Year's Eve. Um, the Panthers kind of kept themselves quiet, didn't tell their side of the story until they were officially punished by the NFL, who called um, Tepper's uh, reaction and underhand toss of a cup and its contents uh unacceptable conduct scott you've written two columns on this already what's your initial take on the fine what's your take on the entire situation as a whole and why is this potentially a black eye for this organization who that has struggled since david tepper took over well i think uh to back up just a little more to give our whoever has not heard the statement in full let's read david tepper's statement here and i'll read it now uh, quote, I am deeply passionate about this team and regret my behavior on Sunday. I should have let the NFL stadium security handle any issues that arose. I respect the NFL's code of conduct and accept the league's discipline for my behavior. 
the discipline being the $300,000. No suspension, however, which was certainly on the table, I think. Uh, the word, as you say, Mike, that's missing there is apology. There's no, I apologize. There's no, I'm sorry. He does say he regrets his behavior. Uh, to me, that's sort of a poor cousin of those other two ways that he could have handled that. Uh, $300,000 to David Tepper, who is worth $20 billion, uh, to put that in some perspective, if, say, your net worth was $200,000, this would be a fine of $3 to you. So that is uh, certainly not going to influence his wallet at all. I think what this will influence, though, Mike, as you mentioned, is, first of all, I think it's personally embarrassing uh, to the Panthers as an organization and to Dave Tepper, who wants to be known as the billionaire next door and cultivates that image and says, you know, I think he, he likes to think of himself as a guy who will have a beer on you as opposed to throw a beer on you. I think he's that sort of, that's his image and he doesn't, he won't like this and the, you know, kind of public uh, whipping that they've taken the last 48 hours. More to the point, though, besides that, Mike, and I'd like your opinion on this, is how does this affect the coaching search? Because that's where the real ramifications to me are here. Well, I would say people are talking around the league. They are. I've gotten text messages. I mean, I think with social media, this is going to be pretty apparent, especially when, you know, wives of coaches are very socially aware. They know what's going on. We also have to remember that Frank Reich was an extremely respected person in coaching circles, and he lasted 11 games here. His wife was very, very much involved in charity and probably knows a lot of other coaches' wives. They're going to ask around. Um, and while money is really important here, a lot of these coaches, especially first-year guys, want to coach until they're in their 60s. And if you have a one-and-done or two-year-and-done coaching you know, tenure, and you're thrown out, you know, before you can really develop as a head coach, it's not a great look. And you end up being a position coach or an offensive coordinator the rest of your career. Um, if you, I wrote this in case takes earlier this week. If you look at this from the outside, if this was an old time carnival ride, you would be looking at this as come, hey, step up, come one, come all and work for the billionaire owner who fires coaches after 11 games, throws drinks towards Toward toward uh, toward fans, uh, you know, yells expletives in in around press, does all this other stuff. Like, if I was a spouse of somebody who's going to take that job, I would say to myself, "Is this the best environment? And is this the best place for long term success?" Again, the money is great, but like, eventually, you've got to be like, "Man, I don't know." There, you know, we there are people, there are players that do not like football. We know that we've covered several players that do not like football. There are coaches who don't want to be lifers in the NFL. But if you're a good coach, typically you want to be around for a while. And I think taking that risk, even with the guaranteed money, is tough, especially because there's normally offset language. Um, you know, I sat there on Sunday after this video came out, and the first thing I thought was, well, good for Frank Reich for getting out while he could with that guaranteed money. I mean, <laughs> like, this is a mess. And I just think if you look at the follies of football that has been the Carolina Panthers since David Tepper has taken over I've got a lot of questions like you know other 
I, everybody talks about how rich David Tepper is. Guess what? All the NFL owners are rich and they can, they can offer a reasonable salary. Um, this whole 15 to 20 million thing that's out there in my, to my knowledge, that's not really a thing for a first time head coach. It probably won't be, even if Tepper does want to land Ben Johnson, who is from the Carolinas, who has family in the area, who probably still has friends in the area, who sees what's going, who see what's going on here. I mean, I'm just curious, Scott, from your perspective, uh, you know, you're a Carolina main, mainstay. You, you're in this area. You also have kids who are now adults. Like, if you were advising your son on taking a job potentially with the Carolina Panthers after seeing all this stuff when when that per, when your son is probably the bell of the ball from a coaching search standpoint how could you advise him to look at this job and say wow this is a great opportunity well I think you know the zeros at the end of the check do make some difference uh, there's no doubt about that and Dave Tepper for all his flaws is certainly not cheap so they're going to spend a lot of money, and I think they'll still get somebody pretty good. But will they get their first or second choice? I don't know. Ben Johnson, um, I think the Carolina aspect of that is cool in a way, but it's not like they're hiring um, Drake May or somebody who was like a star here, uh, you know, Drake May in 20 years. I mean, Ben Johnson was an obscure backup quarterback who happened to be super smart, and uh, it is like many of the best coaches, you know, Bill Belichick, et cetera, he was not a great player. Uh, ultimately, that often is the way it is. I mean, the, think of in the NBA, Magic Johnson trying to coach. I mean, that was a disaster. Michael Jordan owning the Hornets, a disaster again, really, when you look at it. Sometimes the best players are not the best coaches. Sometimes these obscure guys are. Ben Johnson, to me, I would definitely look at, and I think he'll – certainly accept all interview offers. But if you're any coach, let's say, you know, to me, the San Diego job is really the the plum here uh, where they've got Justin Herbert just sitting there waiting for you, one of the best cities in America sitting there waiting for you. Um, and But there are some advantages here. They've got a division that's weak. You could win the division. And you're also going to, there's the other part, Mike, I, I'd like your take on this, but I say one thing I would say, you know, I would, of course, if it was my son, I would, I would caution him, but also you're walking into a situation where it's been bad for a long time. You're following a lot of loss and tumult and unhappiness. And so by nature of that, surely you're going to get some honeymoon period. And you know, Dave Tepper is not going to fire, excuse me, fire the guy in the first year because he's done that three times. Now he's fired guys in the middle of the season in only six years. So he doesn't want to do that again. So this person is going to get, at least I would think a Matt rule size bite of this apple. Uh, and, and there, the other thing is Mike, they have to be sold on Bryce young. Don't they? Whoever this new coach is must be sold that Bryce young can do it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Yeah, and I, I think there's a little bit of a misnomer now with the way C.J. Stroud's playing. A lot of teams in that top 10 wanted Bryce Young. That is a fact. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. they There were teams that wanted Bryce Young, tried to trade up for Bryce Young, and just didn't happen. Um, he's kind of, I mean, he's been all over the place. Obviously, coming off that 26 to nothing loss, you're, you know, the, the arrow's pointing kind of down. But, you know, he did have the game against the Packers. He did have the game-winning drives against Houston and Atlanta. Um, but yeah, I think that that's a big part of this too. You have to believe in what you've seen from Bryce Young um, because the bubble wrap is off, right? Like you've already unwrapped the present here. Like you, the the excitement and the buildup and and the the potential of you know crafting this guy from scratch is gone. You're gonna have to break some bad habits. You're going to have to recoach this guy up. You have to really believe in him. The thing I would say, too, is about this coaching search and where I think David Tepper needs to be kind of, you know, a little bit more vast in his search. When you hire somebody who has been an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator, a play caller for a year or two, um, and then you hire them to be a head coach, but also be the play caller, as we saw with Frank Reich, who even had experience in that, you were giving them 75% more responsibility. And so... You know, you know, we talk about it in writing. Some people have strengths. Some people are storytelling beat writers. Some are, are news hounds. Some are this, some are that. When you take away from somebody's strengths and focus them on something new, that can lead to disasters as well. And so I think from the perspective of hiring the, a hotshot first-year coordinator or second-year coordinator like Ben Johnson, like Bobby Slowick from Houston, um, that can be troublesome. Frank Smith from the Miami Dolphins is really intriguing to me because he is more of a play designer. He is not a play caller. And I like the idea of somebody being a little bit like Nick Sirianni where he originally took over play calling. I saw it firsthand, had to dump it off to Shane Steichen because it just wasn't working. Um, I know he's taken a hit publicly because of the Eagles skid this past year, but he's made the playoffs three straight years and in three tries. So, um, but Frank Smith's the guy that really intrigues me. I think he is a really smart man. He's coached offensive line tight ends. I know McDaniel relies on him heavily behind the scenes. Um, he would make a lot of sense here if you were going for a first year, a first year head coach. Dan Quinn, though, to me, you know, I don't know why he'd consider this job, but he to me is the best candidate possible. Uh, you cannot deny his success in Atlanta. He has been like lights out as a coordinator in Dallas like the turnovers that team creates the sacks they produce just the last two years have been phenomenal and also by the way he's got you know he's got connections to the Shanahan tree to other trees where he can get a young up-and-coming play caller to come work for him so um I think this search really needs to be vast and I think going all in on Ben Johnson is not the right move because I, think I like you're... what you're saying there. Yeah, I um, I don't think Dan Quinn should be discounted either. I don't know that he's my first choice because uh, the you know he's more defensive minded. But wow, I was here when I mean they were running the table in the NFC South with uh, Dan Quinn in Atlanta, and uh, he's he's a experienced, seen it all in one form or fashion. Um, I think that's. Yeah, I agree. You you cast a wide net here because this is such an important hire. 
uh, for Dave Tepper. And as I wrote in these columns and all our coverage, of course, is on charlotteobserver.com. All of Mike's excellent columns and B writing and my stuff's on there too and many other things. Um, Dave Tepper's got to find the guy along with the GM, whether that's Scott Federer or somebody else. And then he's got to just leave him alone, right? I mean, it's just got to, you do not want to create any more headlines if you're Dave Tepper after the press conference in probably late January, mid-January, somewhere in there to introduce this new coach. Just get out of the way, sign the checks. You can, of course, be involved on the business side. That's what you're really good at. Do that. But let's not get involved in the drafting. Let's not get involved, you know, other than just being there and being a good cheerleader. But there's some image repair that has to be done here. And in this community, um, I just have received a blizzard of emails and, and calls, and I'm sure you have over the last few days. I mean, this was a crisis of completely avoidable, completely avoidable, completely of their own making. And it just was silly, really. I mean, it's the most expensive drink in NFL history. $300,000 for one drink tossed at some fans. And who knows what the situation was. The Panthers aren't explaining it. But again, I think the image repair here, uh, the the repair, you've got to work on the fans here. man. Think of some things you can do for the fans here, your core audience, because you've got to bring them back. You got to get them excited again. The stadium right now, going to a game and this Tampa game. What do you think the atmosphere will be like there on Sunday, Mike? Uh, have you ever seen Mad Max, where it's like this desolate, like uh, dystopian sort of vibe? Look, no, I hope Tina Turner shows up if that's the well, case. Buccaneers fans don't really travel, so it's probably not going to be a, a right. A full it's going to be more empty, right? Than right. than sixty thousand Bucks fans. In there and maybe maybe that's david tepper's punishment in in all of this is he's got to sit in person without a suspension watch his team play for one more game with how terrible they've been and then look at it from an empty stadium view look here, here's what i'll say i i just to me this the the new the offseason can't get here soon enough for them um, I do think there's some damage control that needs to be done. I don't think either one of us is saying, hey, sit out of the, the coaching interviews, the GM interviews. I actually think he is beneficial in those spaces. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. His CEO standpoint from all that stuff. I think what the issue is, is you need somebody who is experienced in their job. So either a, a retread head coach or a retread GM who knows how to, to operate the business, who has proven success, and who can say no to David Tepper? I mean, I mean, really, that's what it is. I mean, if that means hiring a VP of football operations or what have you, a Thomas Dimitriov type, a a guy who has experience, a Dave Caldwell, somebody who has some sort of experience, has had some sort of playoff success, understands, you know, hey, they're going to have an owner who wants to be involved and know when to say no. I think you need somebody who's battle tested, whether that's Dan Quinn or, or one of those executives. And if you're going to keep Fitterer and, and Morgan, you need somebody who's in lockstep with them. I was talking to, to our producer, Drew does a great job for us on the processing blue podcast. Shout out to yes, Drew. Yeah. Um, and look, there are going to be candidates who have backgrounds. And I think that's a really good with that group. And I think that's a really good segue into previewing this upcoming matchup really quickly. Uh, Dave Canales, the office of, 
first-year offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, was in Seattle forever. He was a wide receivers coach, quarterbacks coach, passing game coordinator. Um, just did it all there. And now he's making Baker Mayfield look like a legitimate franchise quarterback. I don't know if he's ready to be a head coach yet. I don't think any of us could could really tell if that's the case. But he's a guy on the rise. Um, and he's going to get to have an audition here uh, in this last game. Um Something to keep in mind as we get into this. I stumbled on this stat this morning. So, uh, as Brayshom goes into this last game, he has been sacked 59 times. That's the second most in the league behind uh, UNC alum and local hero Sam Howell. So, with Howell being benched for Jacoby Brissett, Brayshom's probably going to lead the league in sacks. Anyway, he's lost 251 yards on sacks this year. Second-round pick Jonathan Mingo, who was just put on IR, caught uh, 40-something passes for 418 yards this season. So he didn't even make up for the sack production. You know, you can throw the ball as far as you want to in this league, and he still couldn't make up for it. And he started 15. Or he played in 15 games, started 14. So Never scored a touchdown either, right? Right. I mean, so, the so, entire rookie year, no touchdowns. So so let's talk about this. This has become a discussion on Panthers' yeah. social media. Do you think they should roll with Andy Dalton with the way that he has been? I do, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mentioned that in a, in a column on Monday prior to all the, uh, the Cupgate stuff. But I would, and the reason is, uh, I don't care if they win the game or not. It doesn't matter. They're going to have the NFL worst record. Um, but what everyone should care about is that it borders on near miraculous for me that one of those 59 sacks you mentioned hasn't knocked Bryce Young out of a couple of games. I mean, that man, it, he is tough because he has gotten absolutely pummeled a lot. Uh, and there's that doesn't even count all the hits after throws and so on. So there's one place the Panthers have gotten a little lucky this year. It's not all been bad. So sit Bryce Young out. Let him be the number two, the emergency backup quarterback, whatever. Um, but walk into 2024 knowing that the guy you're building the offensive around is, is healthy because it's just, to me, even if Bryce Young does win a third game, you know, in this game, it's the, the risk doesn't line up to me with the reward. What do you think? Well, I'll tell you this. That, la that opening drive where they had to go for it on fourth and seven – and he was basically slinkied between two um, two defenders was scary. He was down for a bit. Um, you know, I think he hurt his back. So what I would say is, yes, from the perspective of keeping him healthy, it makes sense. This offensive line's terrible. I mean, I, you know, I spoke to Iki Guanu after the game and he was just like, this has been a humbling experience to say the least. Duh. Um, and I just think like, from the perspective of you've paid Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton's been a very good teammate, a very good backup, maybe reward him with nothing on the line, allow him to be what he's going to be. If you're going to, you know, move on from him or you think that he, he's going to stick around, maybe give him some, you know, some, some more playing time. Obviously he's got more experience than both his former quarterbacks coach and head coach combined. But it, it might be, you know, this has been a tumultuous year for everybody, and and Andy's kind of had to sit back and watch this kind of outside of the Seattle game. It makes sense. I also think, you know, he would allow you to evaluate some of these younger playmakers, Amir Smith-Marset, Terrace Marshall, if you're finally going to allow him to to play a little bit. 
that sort of thing. You can also play spoiler, and I think that that would send a lot of Panthers fans home happy if if they can knock the Buccaneers out of the playoff race, um, especially with Baker Mayfield on the other side. Actually, you know what? I take that back. I think there are going to be a lot of Baker Mayfield fans in, in the stands. Uh, I still get emails about the Baker Mayfield mafia. Um, so yeah, Baker was okay here. I mean, it's not like he was, you know, he and Darnold both played better than Bryce Young did this year, last sure. year. Um, and look, neither one were good, but you know they're both they're both decent NFL quarterbacks. I think. I mean, they they downgraded this year, honestly, in terms of pure production. Now, Bryce Young, long term, we would hope has has a better uh, trajectory. But this, I mean, you look at the stats last year and this year. I mean, how many touchdown passes has Bryce thrown? Like a dozen or something? Eleven. Ah, that's and just ten horrible. And horrible. ten interceptions. Yeah, I think I think before the season, uh, Linkson asked me for a projection. I think I said. Uh, it'll be a solid year if he has 17 touchdowns, nine interceptions, and like 3,200 passing yards. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's got one uh, game of over th- 250 passing yards. Most of it's been in like the mid 100s. Um, and what I'd say is this, you know, I-, I think Baker was a very large reason why things didn't fall off the rails when Steve Wilkes was hired to be the interim head coach. He was benched. He didn't complain. He didn't cause scenes. Yeah, he was eventually released. But I I thought, I've spoken to a lot of teammates from last year who said that he handled that extremely well and it kind of kept everybody together when P.J. Walker was starting and struggling um, when Sam Darnold was kind of awaiting his turn. So I think, you know, this will be a nice story for Baker Mayfield. I don't know if it'll be a nice story for the Panthers. There are people that still root for Baker Mayfield locally. I get the emails. So... It'll be interesting to see how he's kind of played up in this game. But Scott, let's wrap up here with with kind of your overarching thoughts. If Bryce Young does not play in this game, let's say. I think the Panthers will lose it either way. Um, I, you know, I think their chance of winning uh, is about the same. Uh, you know, I, I put it at about 25%. They they could win this game and they were close in Tampa Bay. I think they match up okay with the Bucs, but in general, they're just not as talented as almost any NFL team. So that'd be my sort of opinion on what's going to happen. I'll pick them to lose in our little uh, picks that we, that we do each week, which is, um, you know, I picked them to lose, I think every week this season, except maybe one and quickly went back to those ways after, after missing that one. Uh, who do you think will win this one? Who cares? <laughs> um, listen, they, they've already given up the number one overall pick. They're the first team since 19, I believe, 83, uh, where a team has not owned the first overall pick after finishing in last place. The last team to do it was Tampa Bay. They The way that they traded away their, their first overall pick was a little bit different. They traded it after the draft, the previous draft, for a veteran quarterback. This seems like a runaway steal deal for Chicago. I mean, to put the first overall pick on layaway, get it back the next year, plus you get DJ Moore, who's having an incredible season. Um, and then you also get a first-round pick from last year and a second-round pick for 2025. Man, uh, I hope Ryan Poles is, is buying a lot of tickets because just like an overarching slam dunk like Vince Carter in the dunk contest back in the day. Um so I, I think it doesn't really matter. Do whatever you want. This should be a, just a, who cares? Like, I, I hate to be that guy because we write about it. You know what you should do? 
If you if you don't end up going to the game, you should read all of our coverage on charlotteobserver.com. That way you can you don't have to strain your eyes at the TV set. You can just enjoy the wonderful columns of you know Scott Fowler, uh, Alex Zutlow, and myself. And you can also follow along with our live blog. Uh, but Scott, what you know as we wrap up here, what should the folks do if they want to continue to listen to Processing Blue? Well, yeah, and I, you're right. You follow along with our stuff, and you can read in 10 minutes what you'd all otherwise spend uh, three hours watching, which these days it's not been a great investment to invest those three hours. Uh, but, yeah, we do want to thank, honestly, you guys, thanks for sticking with us this year and listening to a podcast, even about a team that's 2-14. and 14. I mean, we really appreciate every single person who has listened to us, read one of our stories, you know, consumed any of these of these things we've written about all these issues. And uh, if you haven't already, please do subscribe to Processing Blue and follow us wherever you get your podcast. And for those who watch us on YouTube, and we know there's a substantial amount of you, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and click on the bell icon to get notified whenever new episodes drop. We will, of course, not take an off-season off. We're going to be here all the way through. We'll have a new episode next week after the, you know, to wrap up the season and, and more importantly, to look ahead to 2024. So please be sure to stick to charlotteobserver.com for all the latest Carolina Panthers news and analysis. And we will both see you next time.